Welcome guys, this is the Mother Earth's Heroes show. Today we have a special episode right from the office of the Collabathon and uh, I have the, the main hats from that event here on, on the table and uh, yeah we just saw people are already crunching the numbers, people are already in, the, in working mode, working on that issue. And um, we have Luca, Sam and Oliver with us. And uh, yeah, maybe Luca just briefly introduce what is happening here, what is the Collabathon and why should people care? Um, thank you, Maximilian. So basically the Open Climate Collabathon is what it's actually called. So it's an initiative spanning different continents and basically organized at different nodes in the world. It's a project that has been initiated by Yale Open Lab and uh, we have partnered with them to make this uh, a global initiative. Currently and in the next two weeks there will be several nodes running in the world. So at Yale, um, at NUS Singapore, at HEC Paris, uh, at Manila as well and in uh, Australia at University of Melbourne. So. Yeah, we'll also have people working remotely um, and actively on, on this project and they're uh, on a jump-in basis when they're needed, they can work on projects, be asked for by people who need their expertise, etc. So it's, it's really a, uh, a global initiative. Okay, let's maybe get it uh, out first. Like, who are you searching for? If we have a listener who could be the right fit, who should that be? Maybe Sam, just give us a brief... So this is a collabathon, and uh, the there is a variety of technical objectives that we have, and also objectives to do with uh, organizing events like this and organizing uh, climate activism of this kind, if we can call it that. So people with a variety of skills are needed, um, especially technical, um, obviously, um, but not only. So people who are front-end developers, back-end developers, blockchain experts, uh, climate uh, data experts, data scientists more generally because we have a vast amount of data that we're feeding in and out of these systems and need to transform and make accessible. And also we need uh, project managers and fortunately we have very good project managers but uh, we could always use some more and uh, I think that that's about the gamut. Yes, definitely. So it's, it's quite a diverse um, group of people that we're looking for. So maybe um, if I'm if I try to relate it from the world that I am from, right? Uh, I have a lot of uh, friends that are. You might be listening at the moment, and uh, I'm looking at you guys. Um, that we actually have some kind of responsibility here to to um, add value to you guys, because what what you guys are doing is you work on on a global I mean there are different projects and we can dive deeper into all of these different projects but you try to build a technical solution for climate change you try to may I add something specifically this is and, and specifically please, for yeah. the, the the Paris uh, <coughs> Accord the Paris climate agreement yes uh, the objective is to build tools which make that agreement uh, enforceable uh, measurable um, because unlike uh, other agreements, and Oliver is the expert here, uh, it's very much bottom-up, this Paris Climate Agreement, and th it lacks uh, top-down measures to ensure that it's being uh, 
implemented properly. So to some extent, technical solutions can fill a gap here. And uh, that's what we're building, uh, technical tools to achieve that. I have a friend who at a climate, uh, not at a climate hackathon, but at a hackathon, he was building a solution that Porsche wasn't able to build with their whole development team. So I want to see him here. That's that's what uh, that's kind of my pledge uh, that I have to to our uh, audience um, because this is actually very important. So if you want to become part of something big, um, it's uh, it could become very huge. I mean, it's it's being supported by Yale or initiate initiated by Yale, and you guys are from the ESMT saying <coughs> sorry saying we have to do something about it. So uh, kudos to you guys, um, great work. Um, but maybe you could give us a little bit more of a perspective of what kind of projects are really happening. Oliver, you are working um, together with the participants. Maybe you can give us an idea what is happening out there and why should people care? So we have here today a group of really highly, mo uh, highly motivated um, tech people who want to do something good. And <clears throat> the Yale Collabathon from the Open Climate I Initiative has created a number of so-called prompts, which are basically uh, specific goals or projects that the different teams that um, work around the world can collaborate on within the specific location, as, in here, in, as here in Berlin, or they can also collaborate with others around the world who are working on this same uh, project right now. <coughs> um, what they what they do is they find, for example, solutions how uh, consumers can disclose their uh, carbon emissions in a sort of contract to have a different level of transparency throughout the supply chains, so that um, a consumer-driven um, attempt to do something about climate change can be done. So that's even more bottom-up than what the Paris Agreement is, is already doing or is trying to do. Um, we have another team working on this, something called Climate Terminal. It's a, it's a specific project that tries to gather data related to climate change from different existing platforms and merge them into one bigger platform uh, that is then able to that, that enables um, dis, that enables decision makers to take more uh, con more um, directed actions mm -hmm. in their daily business practices. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's partially very theoretical, but we also try to f simply figure out how to break it down into smaller categories so that we can actually do something meaningful. And expose and data in a, in a dashboard, which yeah. is easy to use, uh, yeah, and, and understandable for a wide variety of users. We have a team of eight currently working on that locally and more participating remotely. How many people do we have in total actually participating? If we also take the international numbers, uh, well, the number would be around um, three hundred. Okay. I'd say so. Yeah, here we have around twenty people overall. Participants and more mentors yes. and supporters. Yes. So we're working all together here and also collaborating with other nodes. That's great. Um, how is the collaboration? How how does that work? Like, is it that everybody is is there one uh, project on on GitHub and then people are uh, coding on it together uh, without like without uh, registration of permissions or anything like that? 
how, how is it working? Just to get it maybe a little bit more tangible. So Yale has some infrastructure which they've set up and for the teams which are working uh, in collaboration uh, internationally, they're obviously sharing tools and code repositories, but it's a, it's a mix. So um, also there is underlying technology that's being used. So a lot of uh, blockchain related technologies is being used in relation to these prompts. So some of the work is being done to extend technology that's out there, like uh, the Energy Web Platform or other ledgers. Mm -hmm. But also we have set up uh, specific repositories for uh, our teams here and invited others to participate in that and given them the permissions they need to do so. So there are a variety of technologies. We're also using uh, Discord for real-time messaging. There's a lot of communication going on all the time. In fact, I'm anxious to see my, my phone once this interview is over <laughs> to catch up on all the direct messages. But uh, yeah, and time zones has been an issue as well. But um, for the last few hours, uh, Yale has been online and obviously Paris is synced with Berlin. So that makes it easier when we're collaborating uh, on the same ends. It's a very interesting concept. Do you know anything like that? Is that the first time that something like that is happening in regards to climate change? Um, yes, definitely. This is uh, basically there were previously hackathons, but um, I just like to emphasize that this is not a standard hackathon because it's, it's called a collabathon, like, uh, actually, because it's um, hackathons at several places. But one thing that differentiates it um, largely is that we don't have a competitive nature of, of the event. So yeah. the awards are not on a competitive basis, who's better, who wins. It's um, the winning teams will actually be the people who have collaborated in the best possible way. And um, this just reinforces the nature of the whole project. To, to have people working here and the idea is to start, um, this is uh, basically the start of the project, it's the first of its kind, and then to scale it up and to get, uh, to make a movement out of it of people who will be working on this on a continual basis in the next two weeks and then again in the future so that we scale up exponentially and have everyone to be a stakeholder in this and take ownership of the problem. So. Speaking about ownership, I mean, every time when we have something decentralized going on, right? Um, intellectual property has to be has to be mentioned uh, if something is created um, that has an impact here. Will it belong to Yale? Uh, will it uh, be formed? Will it may mean you will form teams outside and have eventually startups being created from from these events? Um, are there any plans yet? So long story short, all the code that's being produced is uh, open source under an open source license, which means that it's accessible to other participants, but also anybody else going forward and will remain hosted uh, publicly either um, on the Yale-based namespaces of GitHub or in independent repositories. Uh, different countries have different copyright regimes, so it gets a little detailed if we're looking about copyright uh, you know, referral uh, or so on. But the point here is not to uh, produce something which can be turned into a product uh, that is owned by one group, but rather to, rather to address the problems. And if we do a good enough job of addressing the problems, I would expect that there will be business opportunities that follow. Addressing that you guys are actually trying to solve real problems here. We have to speak about redundancy, especially redundancy in the market. Because um, when, when you speak about um, tracking systems for businesses uh, to see how many CO2 emissions they are uh, emitting, 
we, we have to address that there might be already companies out there doing that. How do you avoid redundancy? Is there some kind of market research process? So um, basically, this is the first of its kind platform, as I mentioned earlier. So um, we are trying to develop something that already exists, but we're trying to onboard all the companies, all the um, institutions that are currently working on carbon accounting and to have them share the, the data and also be part of this whole collaboration. So uh, one of the prompts is also about how to onboard these partners and how to present this project in order to get them on board. So, mm-hmm. And this is just the start. So the idea is to um, make a collaboration between all the stakeholders in this huge problem. Who, who are examples for stakeholders? Is the UN uh, UN a stakeholder? And and all the other different agencies. So we're already having uh, partnerships with several different organizations and are supported by them by either means of technology or mentorship. And a lot of climate data from the UN, right? Yes, yes. When when you think about the... I mean, there, there has to be some kind of reason behind it that you have to build something like that, right? It means that the UN hasn't taken charge yet. I mean, I, I was uh, uh, searching for something like that uh, at one point uh, when I was deeping, uh, diving deeper myself into the topic of climate change and where we are standing in, in terms of global CO2 emissions and accountability about the treaty. And what I found was an Excel sheet with uh, a green and yellow formatting, what was done, what wasn't done, and what is uh, lacking behind. I didn't found it um, uh, again, I just wanted to download it and show people how like how simple it was, but uh, how far is your knowledge about what the UN is already doing and, and how we can be of value? Is it really that the UN is lacking so much behind in, in terms of technology to stay accountable to the Paris Treaty? I mean, whether they stay, whether they're behind in terms of te- technology or using technology as a means to finding a solution, that is something you would have to ask the UN. I would, mm. I would feel comfortable answering on their behalf. Yes. Um, I think um, the Paris Agreement has been signed or um, has been uh, agreed upon in 2015, I think, and um, since then, every year, more steps are being taken during the conscience of the parties, which is going to happen in December next uh, in December in Madrid. Uh, and each year they take additional steps when all the uh, politicians and experts come together to make to basically put the Paris Agreement into action. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are uh, th- there's work being done all the time all around the world. On different uh, with different approaches, and I think the big th- difference um, that the co- that this collabathon tries to make is it, it tries to gather um, expertise in an open open source model to come up with solutions that are provided that are directly um, um, created by the the people themselves in instead of having to rely on politicians, governments, High corporations mm-hmm. taking actions. I think that's the, that's, that's the main difference. And I think it's also a little bit taking responsibility and um, seeing that it's not necessary to only rely on these big institutions that have their own 
let's say, um, I mean, they, they move rather slow compared to a group of hackers that just comes together and finds a, a solution. And that's really the attractive part, I think. And if there is enough open data and enough powerful open source software, then we can do this in a distributed way, we can complement each other, we can find approaches that work most effectively and we don't need to wait for or burden those organizations necessarily with uh, let, waiting for them to do it for us, basically. Why, why should we take that approach? Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is you're rather building infrastructure for collaboration, working on solutions, rather than expecting that this Collabathon will be already producing the big solution? Well, it depends what we mean by big solution, but if making data more transparent is a big solution, then no, we plan to deliver things which achieve that, right? Make, mm -hmm. make this information more accessible and make people more able to engage with these questions, I think. This is what this technology is supposed to do in many of the cases. Measure and make it more transparent, and uh, we don't need anybody's permission to do that. We have the tools. We have the tools. What is really abstract to me when I'm thinking about a solution like that is we have a huge amount of people, a huge amount of organizations, systems that are responsible for producing CO2. So how do you get access to every individual company that might be producing CO2 if they aren't measuring it yet? Well, um, just to break the abstract, uh, the, 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 the abstract part of, of what we're doing here. Well, they are measuring it. They know the emissions that they, that they cause. <clears throat> but I think um, the reason it's also partially maybe the only um, um, real sustainable way to change something is that we, as the end consumer of any product, every, every individual is in the end also a, a consumer and um, the choices we make when we go uh, to the supermarket, when we book a means of transportation to travel from A to B, um, every decision we make has an implication for the emissions that it's, that it's, got, that it's going to cause. Yes. And um, companies technically, they provide products and they provide also means to for people to to find a job and to make make a living so maybe it's actually the more reasonable approach that we as a consumer simply understand our ability to make a conscious decision and feel good about it and um, like for example what Oatly is doing right trying to get uh, the co2 label on every product out there because they just started it doing themselves for making the consumer a little bit more conscious about it yeah i mean what i'm trying to get to is that usually people have the feeling that um having to choose not to fly feels like i'm cutting my own abilities to have more convenience or more comfort but so it feels it feels it, it feels like I'm hurting myself in a way because I'm taking the more difficult path. But actually feeling good about a decision to do something that is good not good, good only um, for the planet but also for my for my for my for myself. It's not a very logical connection for people to make. But I think um, um, 
yeah, it's not only about um, having to um, suffer from not being able to, um, to for, for example, use, use an airplane. It's also about understanding that um, we as a consumer have the power to do something and we don't need to wait for companies to tell us, okay, this is the best option to, to, um, to go for because it's the least carbon intensive. If, if that makes sense, it it makes sense. It is uh, it, it is it's a very broad perspective that you're opening, um, that is getting us a little bit away from our impact zone that we have at the moment right here. I guess, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess it's it's about the perception that we have to have as a collective if we want to solve climate change. Right, we have to be aware that our individual choices, even when we are in the in the Western Hemisphere. Like uh, our choices matter because they have a, a huge um, uh, consequence down the whole value chain of the production of the product that we're actually buying. It might just look like a bonbon for uh, for us to to buy, which is packaged in plastic, but this had to be produced somehow, and it produced CO two emissions in the process. <laughs> but let's maybe um, get back to what is happening right here. So we have twenty people at the moment working on projects. Could you maybe give us an insight about like the the emotional state of the people and like how motivated are they and what is actually happening happening in the trenches? What I see, they're really excited. Uh, they're really motivated. They've met new people. Uh, for the most part, people came as individuals and they formed teams either in the last hours or the last days and. They're getting stuck stuck into it. If you go into the room, uh, a lot of the time, they're really focused on what they're doing, and um, they can feel they make a difference. Actually, already they're excited. They've, they've, they're self-directed. They've formed groups based on their common interest and based on tasks that they can approach. We've got very multidisciplinary teams with people with different backgrounds and experience, including, as I mentioned, climate data scientists and project managers, and. In those clusters, they are following the prompts that have been provided by the Open Climate uh, Project, and um, yeah, they're working away. They're working away. Sounds good. Luca, maybe uh, give us an insight when you have like the the um, bird's eye view about what is happening. Are you happy? Uh, what's going on at the moment? What do you want more of? Or where do you see could we have more impact? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm really satisfied how the event is going. So it's amazing to see um, the event um, developing so quickly and the teams um, getting to know each other and to see this kind of um, amazing motivation behind them. So um, what the goal of the whole event is and what's happening here is that people are actually contributing their um, skills to, um, to a really important cause so, um, just as a side topic, uh, side, uh, yeah, ju just to slide away from your question, basically um, there are many actions that raise awareness in, in the climate space and this is also really important, but I, I really believe such an initiative uh, where people use their expertise and skills to actually develop something that uh, will stay for the long run and maybe yeah. have an impact. We, we don't know what the probability that of success is yeah. for any initiative, but um, to actually get to the root cause and try to um, 
solve it is, is actually really amazing to see these people doing this. Uh, I would like to maybe uh, like what is very interesting you you guys have to share like individually why you are here um, but before we get into that I would like to get a, a better overview of what kind of projects are, are running maybe you can give just the the 10 main keywords of the projects that are running so we have a co2 accountability system what what else is going on there's a carbon ledger that's being worked on, which is uh, using blockchain technology to uh, track the uh, use of carbon and carbon emissions uh, from a, a token perspective. Um, do you want to speak about the projects you've worked on? Yeah, I've, um, I've uh, spoken to, uh, to the team that is talking, that is uh, working on uh, consumer disclosure contracts within supply chains that is basically trying to find, to come up with solutions how the consumer can uh, push um, responsibilities on the producers to comply with the requirements that they feel are needed to make them feel comfortable when choosing, uh, when, when making a purchase. So to change, to reverse the, the, the current situation where usually it's like, um, companies simply come up with products and then producers, uh, uh, consumers can choose, they might try to come up with a solution where the consumer says, okay, if I want to have a specific product, it needs to comply with ABC um, requirements like not more than this amount of CO2 being produced. If I use such product, can you provide this or not? Is it a consumer-facing idea? Is it a consumer? Well, it's uh, or is it the technology, the the backbone uh, that a consumer-facing product could sit on? Something like Kocheck. I don't know if you know that. It's one. It's one app. Uh, we also work with them already. It's like uh, um, an app where you can scan products and they show you the ingredients and how positive they are for your body. This could maybe also enhance their uh, their product, really, give them a new feature that they can, because they already have a huge user base, right? We don't have to reinvent the, the wheel. People are already sitting on huge user bases. Um, so is that something that uh, a consumer-faced product could utilize? Um, I mean, it sounds to me that here it's more like the consumer can make the choice according to the information they receive. Yes. Here it's the opposite. The consumer provides the information they expect from the product to, to comply with so that they even make the decision to buy. Mm, more like market research. So it's not... The first step is not being made by the producer to present the product. The first step is being made by the consumer to present... Demanding. To, be, to, to, to say this is our demand and yeah. if, you, if you can't supply this, we're not going to buy. Okay, but then you still need consumers giving their input, right? Absolutely. Okay, and you're also working on that? Well, I mean, this is the overall all, um, background of the project or the yeah. goal, uh, and the team is working now on a specific uh, use case where they can even come up with a technical solution to start seeing what is possible using, mm -hmm. using uh, blockchain technology or whatever other technical solution in the... Uh, coding or hacking space that can can be applied. I mean, um, that's that's beyond my understanding. But okay, I oh. think they they are trying to find a use case where they can even apply this logic. 
I understand. So we are at the moment more in in the analysis process where we see what what is feasible, what could be done, what can be supported with technology that we can control and build here. Yeah, and I think it's important to keep in mind that we have like a bunch of volunteers who dedicate their weekend to finding solutions to these problems in which, uh, which you know, companies might have teams and big budgets and whatnot to come up with solutions to tackle these uh, approaches. So, I mean, it's like, there's, it's like we are definitely... Um, Winning on motivation. And um, it, it sounds like we're... Um, what's the... Goliath? And David versus Goliath, yes. But it should be a collaborative thing, right? Absolutely. Maybe these companies should be called up and like, guys, you are working on that, we are working on that, let's join forces. And we have a very Could be radical, but yeah. maybe... I would love if those companies would contribute to open source projects like this. Just, I think that's important going forward, generally. The open source angle is not an afterthought. And that's one aspect of this, right? Yeah. If it were... If these larger firms had more confidence in contributing to existing large, well-run open source projects, then perhaps this hackathon would be included. Interesting thought. Luca, you want to add something? I'd just like to add here that we've spoken to, we, we have quite a few partners on board uh, already and um, basically we, we talked to many major technology companies and they have uh, expressed huge interest and already shared the event. Uh, throughout their development circles, Great. and they are very, very um, eager to get involved um, next time when we have a more of an in advance um, schedule for the event. Um, and yeah, basically they they showed um, real interest in in supporting the project and with their um, manpower, with people who would actually come to um, hack and by other means as well. So. Great, great. I mean, you guys are playing the long game, I guess, uh, with this, right? Uh, and this is how it should be. Um, I mean, we, we can't expect quick fixes with such a problem of such a magnitude, right? Um, so we, we had three projects so far. What, what else is going on? No, I mean, we have here three teams be, um, because... Um, uh, these are the three projects. I mean, there are, and like globally, within the, within the Collabathon, there are... There are maybe like 30 plus projects potentially, also depending upon which teams uh, evolve in this very dynamic process and what they choose to work on within this limited time frame of just uh, this Saturday and tomorrow, yes. come up with the first solution. But on top of that, there will be further events throughout the next weeks to build on what has been created this weekend. And um, here we have three teams because we need a set of different experts in each team. And um, this morning, everybody had no idea what we we're gonna be doing. And now a couple hours later, these teams are working on figuring out how to actually come up with something tangible to provide a first step towards the many solutions that we need to, to, to deal with this problem. Before we started this interview, the carbon terminal dashboard was already taking shape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds, sounds pretty good. Uh, when, when I'm uh, hearing just uh, people working on ideas, my al uh, alarm uh, is ringing because like this is without proper market research, 
there's always a lot of redundancy, but it, it sounds like you guys are also figuring figuring that part out. Um, but maybe I'm just brainstorming. Maybe this could be something I I, I can uh, be useful for, and maybe people from my network, would, because we are rather from the growth hacking perspective, taking a look at systems and thinking about it in a in a BD uh, marketing way. So how could this actually go to market? And uh, going to market means knowing the market, right? And knowing what is happening uh, on a broad scale. Um, so Yale has done, uh, the people at the uh, Open Climate uh, Department within Yale have done a lot of preparation work uh, for this yeah. and set it up. And we took those prompts that we described as the basis for the tasks that people started working on today. So there was already uh, a very good un understanding of those tasks before they were put into the collaborative systems which our teams then congregated around when we uh, began the event this morning. And they took quite an academic perspective, so there are white papers which we as organizers have read and the participants uh, perhaps have not had time to, and considerable background research done which you can find on the Open Climate website, um, which has a grander vision which unifies these projects that we're working on, these projects that we're working on fit into that larger grid of 30 plus prompts. So it's not that we've just picked something out of the air. It's yes. very structured in that sense. And the other universities that are participating today and over the next two weeks, as there will be universities following uh, over the next two weeks, uh, they will be following the same steps that Yale has provided. And this gives even more reason to participate because you, you don't have like Uh, some friends behind it that started a project. Uh, we have Yale behind it, we have ESMT behind it. Um, you guys are organizing this well. So uh, once again, just an encouragement for everybody listening. Um, come to this event, uh, check it out if you can, if you are in the Berlin area, even come tomorrow. I mean, going for breakfast with friends, having a brunch, versus saving the world. I mean, that's an easy bet, right? So just uh, just see if you can add value, come here, uh, and, and hopefully somebody will knock on your door uh, after we publish that. Uh, let's go to the, to the last question, actually. You guys are sitting here. I mean, it's, it's the weekend. Um, maybe give us a little bit of perspective. Why are you doing that? Sam, what, what, what is driving you here? And uh, what do you want to see from that? What's driving me here primarily, I must say, is the open source angle. Um, I love the fact that this pro this series of projects is using open source and it's been built into the core concept of it. Um, I have a lot of experience with remote working and collaboration tools and I was very interested to see how we could take this new approach that's been described, this collabathon mechanism involving so many participants. There are always big challenges around getting people to cooperate and, and, and work together when they have the best will in the world, just the practical aspects of it. And it's been really fun to work out some of these details and see the enthusiasm and make sure it's channeled effectively. So I wanted to come and uh, fly the open source flag and be involved in this uh, sustainability, sustainability drive uh, because I think that open source and sustainability are uh, a match made in heaven and are basically the, the only sustainable approach to solving these issues. Thank you so much for doing that. I mean, uh, that's 
that's that's a good thing. I like the I like the metaphor. Uh, I don't know if it's a term, but uh, fly, uh, how did you put it? Flying the flag. F flying the flag of of uh, collaboration. It's uh, a great way. Luca, what's what's your vision? Um, so basically, I, I break down my answer into three parts. So first first reason would be actually purpose. Second would be practicality, and third would be challenge. So to get back to purpose, so I think um, this is something amazing we're working on and at least trying to work on, so I don't like to be arrogant and think, yeah, we'll, we'll solve everything in two days, but to start um, um, getting the ball rolling mm. toward this issue is, is a, a huge motivator for me. Secondly, practicality, as I mentioned, symbolicism is, is really prevalent in today's world. Um, Many people um, are raising awareness, uh, spreading the word. This is great, but this is something that's getting to the core of the issue. And thirdly, I'd say the challenge. So basically, it's a way challenging project that we're working on, and this makes it even more motivating because it's something that's um, quite, um, if, if we're realistic about it, it's quite it inspires um, a lot of fear because it's it's so huge and working on something so challenging is, is, is amazing, at least for me. We, we have a purpose-driven entrepreneur here, so <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's probably a good, a good groundwork for your, for your future as well, like just uh, collected so much experience working with uh, broad teams. Um, Oliver, what is what's driving you? What's driving me is my passion for it. A more sustainable world and um, seeing how technology can be used in a probably much more um, directed and less violent way of protest mm -hmm. to tackle the challenge of, of um, making our society and economy more adapt to our resource li limits is definitely very um, interesting and I feel it's the first time that I work with um, people from the tech world so closely and what they do is very far from my understanding and combining our um, our our common uh, our individual understanding in something meaningful it's just feels great thank you as well so, uh, guys, that was a great uh, conversation. I hope you, you got everything out that you wanted to spread uh, to the world. And, uh, yeah, let's um, definitely stay in contact and see how the Mother of Heroes show can support you guys. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you.